guys, live action, Dr. Andre Pinted here. And let's start here by calling it what it is. Your blackness intimidates me. I'm intimidated by your blackness. The color of your skin intimidates me. Let's start there and get into it, guys. But stop making excuses, stop whining, stop, right? Get at it. No excuses, just dominate. All right, guys, Dr. Andrew Pines here. I'm the study doc, and as always, I'm trying to help uplift students, empower students, help you guys be more productive, help you guys be more positive, get ahead and reach your goals. And right now, what I'm here to tell you guys is that black skin is intimidating in educational environments. And what I'm doing all through this week, I told you guys, I'm coming live all this week. I set out to be live with other black physicians, but I thought this week it'd just be me. Next week, we're gonna start once a week. My students had to be better. Once a week, starting next week, I'm gonna start bringing on black people in higher education and have them come on and talk to you guys. But I thought this week, every single day this week, I'd bring you guys an incident, a story from my trajectory, from my path to going being a black male in higher education, going to Stanford Medical School, becoming a, a physician, being a physician attending at the University of California, San Diego, and what that road was like and pointing out, because I think people are having difficulty understanding why we shout Black Lives Matter so hard and why it's so disrespectful when people say all lives matter or they denigrate the struggle and the process that black people have to go through in America to succeed, to stay alive, let alone attain education. And so today we're going to start with junior high. And... For many of you guys, junior high is a formidable time in your life, right? You're, you're a young person coming in your adolescence, in puberty, trying to figure out what your identity is, who you're going to be, right, and where you fit in the world. And for me, my junior high experience was marred by an experience where my history teacher told me that my black skin intimidated him. My blackness intimidated him. The sheer looking at my face was intimidating to him. And the way it went was like this, guys. I was in seventh grade and I'm taking history in seventh grade, right? Young person, right? Just trying to get my education, right? Go to junior high, right? Dealing with girls, all this kind of stuff. And I'm there in this history class and I noticed that the history teacher kept grading me, I felt, unfairly on my papers, on my assignments throughout the year. As it's going on, I keep... I'm like, okay, you know, it's not really a big deal. This is what it is. Like, maybe I'm just missing the boat, right? So I keep going, keep going, keep going. And then about halfway through the first semester, I get notified that I'm being suspended from school. I'm like, oh, that's weird. I'm being suspended from school. And <laughs> so I, I get this notice. I show my parents, like, what are you being suspended for? I don't know. So we go to the principal's office and we meet with the principal and we say, hey, you're being suspended. What's going on? And the principal says, well, he's been intimidating one of our teachers. And my parents look at me and I'm like, I have no idea. Like, and they're like, he's never been in trouble. What do you mean he's intimidating one of your teachers? What do you mean? I'm like, oh, one of our teachers feels threatened by him. And my parents say, again, what do you mean threatened by him? What are you saying? And the principal goes, well, you know what? I don't have all the details. Let me talk to the teacher and let me call you back and let you know. And my parents, of course, are like, wait a minute. How can you suspend a student without having all the details? Right? And so... We leave the office, we get a call back, and we have a parent-teacher-principal conference. And we still don't know what's going on. We get there, and it's my history teacher. And my history teacher is standing there behind the principal, and the principal says, yes, uh, in talking to, insert teacher's name, um, he finds that 
Andre is very intimidating and is attempting to threaten him and intimidate him during class. And my parents go, what do you mean? How was he intimidating you? And the, the principal says he's exhibited a behavior that is threatening. And again, my parents ask, well, how is he threatening? How is he intimidating? And the teacher finally steps forward and says, you know what? Every single time I look over at Andre, he's looking at me. And the way he's looking at me, it's like he's trying to intimidate me. And my parents said, wait, does he say anything to you? No, he doesn't say anything to me. But he's looking at me and it's threatening to me. It makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't want to have him in my class. And as we go on in this conversation, we're having this conversation, right? They're trying to explain what they mean. And my dad is sitting back. And my dad's a big guy, right? And he's sitting back and he goes, let me ask you a question. Is the look he's giving you this look? And the history teacher goes, that's the exact look I'm talking about. And he goes, this is just my face. What you're really saying is that my son's blackness intimidates you. And my parents sent me out the room and they had a, a very frank discussion with this history teacher that resulted in a public apology that resulted in me being moved to a different class. But despite all that, guys, right? We talk about systemic racism and for a lot of people, it's not precise. It's not exact, right? People say, oh, if they didn't call you the N-word, they're not being racist. You're not being discriminated against. There aren't real obstacles to students of color succeeding in higher education. And with this week, what I'm hoping to do is shed a light and let you guys understand that when we talk about systemic racism, when we talk about the obstacles that are unique to students of color, they're real. And when you guys sit here, and I hear it all the time in medical school admissions, where people say, oh, if you're a student of color, oh, it's just easier for you to get in. And people don't recognize that medical schools value distance traveled. And the distance that a black man, a black woman, a student of color, Latino, the, the journey for those students of color to get to medical school is much further than the same journey for non-minority students. And medical schools recognize this in some small way and recognize that this is travel and recognize the disadvantage in being a student of color and what you have to face. And for me, guys, when this whole story happened, like when this all went down in junior high, I was kind of mad about it. But really what it made me made me feel uncomfortable. It made me feel like being myself. It made me feel like my, my sheer presence as a black male in an academic environment, I didn't fit. And we talk about the fact that so many students of color experience imposter syndrome. And I was talking today with some with a surgeon, right? Because I'm an anesthesiologist. I was talking with the surgeon today. And the surgeon happens to be Venezuelan in origin. And she was talking about how for her, even though she's been in America for decades and decades and decades, she can't quite get rid of her accent. And for her, it's always been a point of making her feel uncomfortable. And how people would, what, what, and mock her accent and make her feel like she didn't belong. And what we have to understand is that if you don't feel like you belong somewhere, right? How uncomfortable is it, guys? Like, let's like comment in the box right now. How uncomfortable is it when someone tells you that your presence is not wanted, that your presence, right, is not appropriate, that you being there makes them feel uncomfortable? How can you be expected to focus on the work, to do the work, to be there, and to enjoy the process and to love learning? When teachers feel uncomfortable with your sheer presence, right? I'm a 12-year-old kid and to have my history teacher tell me that I was threatening to him, I was intimidating to him, have him marking down my grades all year, thinking we're in some kind of adversarial relationship simply because of the way my face looks 
and the way my skin looks, that's a terrible, terrible experience. And it made me mad, but it made me feel even more awkward than I already felt in a classroom where I was the only black face, right? And the reason, this is like part two of the story, I was one of two black students in my class at this, at this school. The other black student, we were in the same class, actually got transferred out to another history teacher prior to me. So when all of this went down, we actually found out it was actually a systemic racist thing because the other black kid, he got transferred out. We thought it was because of a conflict, the sizing. No, he requested that that student be transferred out of his history class. And if we're not paying attention, guys, we don't recognize that. We don't see that. And we don't, we can't understand why it's so hard for black people for students of color to succeed in higher education. It's like, guys, the discrimination, the racism, the sense of being an imposter, the sense of not being sufficient, the sense of not being capable starts early. Starts early and it's persistent. Does everybody understand what I'm saying right now? We have to be realistic. We have to, I'm an educator, right? So I'm talking about racism and education because that's my lane. I could talk about racism in so many other ways, and we're going to get into that in these next couple of weeks. But this week, I want to just focus on, let's start with one lane. Let's start with education, and let's talk about the difficulties that students of color face in their journey. And at the end of this week, what I hope to do is bring together all of this stuff and talk about how we can overcome these issues, how we can deal with problematic teachers like that, how we can deal with people who are in positions of authority who don't show students of color who don't show black students the same consideration, the same care, the same nurturing, right? The same support that they give to other students. And in fact, it's not even the absence of support. It's the oppression. It's the discrimination. It's the negativity that flows from these teachers, from these educators, from these authority figures who early on try to put into the head of the student of color that they don't belong. Does everybody understand what I'm saying right now? This is a story. This is something that happened to me. This is something that could have derailed my academic career. And I'm fortunate and I'm blessed. And as you guys can hear in all these stories this week, the common thread, the common anchor was that I had tremendously strong, tremendously proud parents who could educate me, who could teach me about what this was, who could prepare me for this to fortify me from these insults to fortify me from all these assaults. And when people ask me why I, I get so, I'm so serious about helping students, particularly students of color, students from disadvantaged backgrounds, it's because I've been there. I know what it is. I know that it's not a level, level playing field. I know how it feels. I've sat in that seat. I've experienced the feelings you have. And one of the things we will talk about is no excuses just dominate goes also to this. Yes, you can say that people don't want you there. Yes, you can say you feel uncomfortable. But at the end of the day, those are excuses. And what we have to do is move past that, guys. And we have to dominate anyway. And I'm so happy and I'm so pleased that this past week that people's eyes, and I guess this happens all the time. I don't know if it's going to last. But I'm happy to see so many people recognizing, realizing that 
Yes, the physical violence. Yes, the visual of seeing a black man held down for almost nine minutes with a knee in the back of his neck, causing him to die. That's a strong visual. But what I would propose this week is that we understand that even though every black person in America doesn't have a knee on the back of their neck physically, many black people walk around every day feeling like, feeling like there's a figurative knee in the back of their neck. Meaning there are people out there who wish to do them harm. There are people out there who wish to hold them down. There are people out there who wish to keep them from progressing, from living their fullest life. And I think it's important that we recognize when we talk about racism and we talk about discrimination, there's a lot of different flavors, y'all. And those overt, right? And those covert, right? And there's subliminal, right? And there's all sorts of things. And oftentimes racism goes unquantified because it's not direct. But we have to recognize that our biases and people's biases and the way it affects our structure and the way we operate and the way we maneuver, it, it's, it's a huge problem. It is a huge, huge problem. Do you guys understand what I'm saying right now? Erica says, racism in education alone sets people apart early on and discourages you from pursuing a better future and prevents you from making more. I'll pull it up here. Making more over the course of your lifetime, keeping you in a poor position. Right? And I like this. Noel says, no excuses. Right? They're not excuses, just extra hurdles that make us stronger if we decide to jump them. And I think that's how we have to look at it. I tell students, like, if you're a disadvantaged student, if you can overcome that disadvantage, you have the ultimate advantage because you've been running, you're beating people with shoes on, you got no shoes on, you're running barefoot. So once you get some shoes on, oh man, <laughs> you fast. Get some Air Jordans, you going. But I think it's very, very important. Racism and discrimination is real and it persists and it pervades every single aspect of our society. And there's a lot of people out here this week, and I've been extremely disappointed in some people that I know, right? I wouldn't actually call them friends. I got a very small circle of friends. But I've been very disappointed in some colleagues. I've been very disappointed in some of the talk I'm hearing at the hospital. I've been very disappointed in some of the stuff I'm seeing on my social media from people who are unsympathetic, who don't understand what we're describing, what we're talking about, and are skirting the issue. And so I'm hoping this week to bring some awareness, to open some eyeballs, to understand Every single day this week, I'm going to bring you guys from every level of my education, there were major moments, and we're starting small and soft in junior high, but every single day this week, guys, five o'clock every day this week, Monday through Friday, we're going to be talking about racism. I'm going to talk about issues that happen in higher education, and I'm going to be asking you guys to share your experiences, right? We're on here right now. Does anybody want to share their, how was your junior high experience, my students of color, right? So Alex says it's important. Let's hear it, right? People that don't go through those hardships don't think anything about any of it, right? It doesn't even hit their mind. Like people are like shocked this week about police brutality. Like this stuff hasn't been happening. And I think it's very important. If you guys want to share, I'll pull it up here. You post your story. What have you guys experienced? What is your early education, elementary school, junior high? Have you guys experienced slights? Have you guys felt like you were treated differently because of the color of your skin, because of your cultural background? How many of you guys have experienced this? 
right? This is an opportunity. We're trying to spread awareness and that people understand this is what we live. This is what we go through every single day as students being put into a box, being constrained, right? And this is a good question, right? And this is something we're definitely going to get into because there becomes this situation where you realize that people don't feel like you belong. You realize that people look at you as a charity case, as the affirmative action, and you put this pressure on yourselves to be a model minority, right? To be the perfection because you can't afford to be less than perfect. And one thing that I'm constantly stressing, right? And working with a lot of disadvantaged students is you don't have to be perfect. But what you do have to do is continue. You have to be your best and you have to continually strive to make your best better through preparation, through practice, and through education. And so if you are a minority student, it starts with the fact that when my history teacher told me that stuff and was trying to say I was intimidating, trying to say I was a disruptive student in his class, the question then comes, well, how? And again, I'm a, a good student in all my other courses. <laughs> I'm turning in assignments on time. I'm not disruptive. I'm a pleasure to have in class, in fact, in other classes. So this was a break from that mold, right? I was known for being a kind and courteous, right? A gentle giant of sorts in my school. So it didn't connect when all this stuff was going down. And so for you guys as minorities, what I want to say to you guys is you don't have to be perfect. But you do have to be competent and you do have to work to be your best. And understand that if you work to be your best, your best is good enough. You as you are. Not changed, not different, not acquiescing, not trying to be somebody else. Just being you, but being the best you is enough. And if you know that you're putting your best foot forward every single day, be proud of that. Be happy with that. Know that you're doing your job. Know that you will get to your goals if you're giving your best. Does that answer your question? So this is what Carla says. As a minority with a GPA 3.6, told by UCI, uh, UCI, zot, zot, zot for my anteaters, by account that I was not going to be a physician. And Carla, I have my very own story similar to that. We'll talk about later this week. But, right, that's the story. Josh On says, the stress and the overt racism bias is exacerbating. I'm tired of feeling like I'm in, I'm, I'm the model of blackness for whites to interpret from, right? And that's that other form of pressure where you become the only black person they know, where their whole entire black experience rides on you. And one thing that I've received some criticism for, right? We talked about this last week, was that I said that going HBCU, I don't recommend it for students of color. And there's a whole list of reasons. A 45 minute video, you guys can go back and watch that, why you shouldn't send HBCU that I was talking about. But one of the reasons I mentioned was, is if we choose to segregate, if we choose to stay only amongst other students of color, we are not allowing, we are not creating an opportunity to educate at these white universities, to have these non-predominantly black universities experience more black people, to increase the sample size so that they understand that Josh Sean is not a one-off that he's not the only smart person, that he's not a real black person because he talks proper, right? Because he is appropriate, because he is focused on education. 
understanding that Josh Allen is what black people are. We are capable. We are educated. We are wonderful to be around. We are caring. So we have to expose people to that so we can pull that pressure back from the one black student. Let's get multiple black students. Let's form a coalition. Let's have community because it is a lot of pressure. Antonio says, I moved from Seattle, Washington to Mississippi in sixth grade. That's an interesting transition. The first day of school, I was told that I could not get a history book from the library because I probably couldn't read it. That's rough, right? Imagine being in sixth grade. You go to the library, right? You're trying to get a book because you're trying to learn, trying to get your... And the librarian tells you, you can't get this book. You can't read. Imagine that, right? And the only thing they're basing your inability to read on is obvious. And again, this is not overt racism. Hey, you can't get this book. You can't read. Well, what other thing do you have to judge me on other than the color of my skin to tell me that I can't read? Right? And it, and it it's an awful leaves a sour taste in your mouth and makes you maybe not want to go back to the library. Makes you not want to jump in there and do the extra work because when you go there, you're going to be harassed. You're going to be discriminated against. You're going to have to deal with that negativity. And so you pull away. You withdraw which we see in education. We see happen. So thank you for sharing, Antonio. Yep, and there are different standards, 100%. Okay, Jay says... I had a similar story. I was told on multiple occasions during grade school that and college that I didn't have what it takes to be a doctor. Right? And we're going to hear my own tale, right? As a, I'm now a Stanford, right? A graduate of Stanford. I'm an anesthesiologist. I am a doctor, guys. But I was told that multiple times. And we're going to talk about those occasions. Right? And how do you think that makes students of color feel? You don't have what it takes. You're not good enough. You don't, innately, there's something wrong with you and your nature and who you are. Right? Right? And this is what Kayla says. I've been told by many professors at a predominantly white institute that I won't get to medical school. Right? And why are they saying that, Kayla? Right? Destiny says, I had a teacher who was shocked that I was planning to become a doctor because my parents were African immigrants, right? And we're gonna talk about, right? Immigrants to this country. I was mentioning earlier the doctor from Venezuela who felt like she always had to be just that much more better. She felt like they were always judging her and it made her scared to socialize and network and go to different things because she felt like she was being judged, like she didn't belong, like they didn't want her there. She felt unwanted, right? And Let's just take a step back from education and talk about relationships. How bad does it feel when you love somebody, when you, you, you need someone, you want them so bad and they don't love you back? Your love is unwanted. They put the block down, talk to the hand, right? That rejection feels terrible. But for many students of color, we feel that rejection that, that we don't want you throughout our educational journey. And it's problematic and it's traumatic.
right? And I like this. It's like a domino effect, right? Just knocking down black people, knocking down minorities, keeping diversity down. Yeah, unrequited love. Yeah, teenager fever. You know what's up, right? And Jay says, it hurt, right? They also made it hard for me to get access to the appropriate information I needed for medical school, giving you the runaround, right? Say, oh, we can't help you. Maybe you go over there, right? And that's not overt racism, right? But, oh, we can't really help you. Why don't you? And you're left to fend for yourself. And we're going to talk about, right, this experience in college as we get there. We're going to move through junior high right now. But... Just the lack of not going the extra mile to support students in the same way because they're students of color, right? Giving up on these students prematurely, not giving them the opportunity, saying that they can be better, they can be more, they can overcome whatever their circumstances are, whatever their slow start is, where are we at if that's the case, right? So we'll get off of here. But I hope that everybody, if you guys understand what we're talking about right now, like the video. Let me know that you understand what we're talking about here today. Black lives matter. Students of color matter. Diversity in higher education matters. And it's about creating equality and a level playing field. Equity. Equity. It's not about letting in unqualified people. It's not about creating opportunities for people that they don't deserve. But it's about giving everyone a fair shot, a fair chance, a fair opportunity to pursue their dream, to pursue their goal. And you guys can see, as I said that, someone thumbs down the video, right? Right, and, and, and this is what happens. And we'll talk about medical school admissions. I won't put your comment up there, Jonathan, but we'll talk about that coming up this week. We will talk about that. And Antonio, save that comment. We're gonna talk about that experience. We're gonna talk about that. Yeah. And the hierarchy of race, we're going to talk about that too. And the prejudices and the biases. We're going to talk about all that this week, guys. So I appreciate you guys for joining me today. Let's continue to dialogue about this. I'm so happy to see people talking about issues. And this week, I thought it was important to talk about discrimination, prejudice, microaggressions, and to talk about the experience of students of color. If you have a story that you want to share, you want to lay it out for me, Send me an email, guys. Get to my website. I'll put the link below. You guys can contact me. Get to my website. Send me an email. And I'll share your story on here. Because what we want to do is we want to make, we want to build awareness. Because we can't make change. This is not, this is not, this talk is for everyone. In the sense that if you are not a minority, you should be listening to this because we want to educate you on our experience. Right? And it is about sex and it is about age. And, and that's why I'm constantly saying, and people kind of get mad when I say that, but we all face discrimination in different ways, right? Why do women make less in every single industry? I don't know. Must be something systemic. Think about that, guys. Black lives matter, students of color matter, and diversity in higher education matters. And we're going to be shedding a spotlight on this. So I hope you guys will join me. All week this week, tell your friends, 5 o'clock Pacific time, all week this week, we'll be talking about different aspects of race and inequality in higher education and systemic racism. So I thank you guys so much for joining me today. 
Thank you guys. I'm as always right up Dr. Pineset. The website, guys, is studenttransformation.com. If you want to send me, get over there, get to my contact page, send me an email. I'd love to hear from you and hear your, your opinions on this. If you're watching this after the fact, take a second, right? We are live action right now, but comment in the box. Let me know what you think. What has been your experience? Do you have something to add to the discussion? All right. Thank you guys very much. I will see you all tomorrow. Danielle, what up? Later, guys. Today is the day, guys. No more excuses. No more complaining. You're going to take your future in your own hands. You're going to dominate. You're going to be successful. Get to my website, studenttransformation.com. I challenge you. What are you going to do today to make your life better?